you've got a Bible, will you turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 3? Luke chapter 3. We've been doing a series over the summer called Knowing God. And the aim of the series is not just to know more about God, but actually to really get to know God. Have a living, real relationship with him and grow in that living, real relationship with him. To know who he is. One God in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And last week, Norm uh, talked to us about the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. And we're going to carry on that conversation about the Holy Spirit this morning. And we're going to do so out of Luke chapter 3. Just to give you a bit of a background of what's going on in the chapter here, there's a man called John the Baptist. And John the Baptist has come and he's been preaching. And he's a powerful preacher, powerfully anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he's turning the whole nation of Israel upside down. In fact, some people are beginning to ask the question, is this the Messiah or the chosen one that is going to come and take over the throne of Israel and lead Israel out into freedom? And so John talks to that question, uh, and he does so in the verses that we're about to read right now. So we're going to read from verse 15 of of Luke chapter 3. The words are on the screen behind me. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ or the Messiah or the Chosen One, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, And to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Would you open our hearts and understanding this morning so that we can understand what that means? And then, Father, would you pour out the Holy Spirit on us without measure, Lord, in an even greater way, we pray, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John the Baptist answers the question about whether he is the chosen one or not very clearly. No, I'm not, he says. I'm not the chosen one. In fact, there's somebody who's coming after me who is so much greater than I am, that I'm not worthy to be even the lowest form of his slave, which is what the people were who tied the bootstraps up on the sandals, the lowest form of slaves. He's not saying I'm here and Jesus is here who's coming. He's saying compared to Jesus, I'm down here and Jesus is way, way, way up in the sky somewhere. He is so much mightier than I am. And one of the things that makes him mightier than I is that when I come, I baptize you with water. That baptism was an outward cleansing of what was an inner change of heart. People wanting to turn away from the wrong things they were doing and turn towards God. And so John put them through water and baptized them in water as an outward show of what was happening inside. 
But he said, someone's coming after me who's so much greater than I am. And one of the reasons why he's so much greater is that I can baptize you with water on the outside, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And the question is for us this morning, what is that? What does that mean? And what does it mean for us today? Well, I want to unpack that for us this morning. Three simple things that I want to say out of this passage. And the first one is this. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to overwhelm us with the love of God. When John baptized the people who came to him for water baptism, he didn't just sprinkle a little bit of water on their heads. John took the people and he took them down into the Jordan River and he submerged them under the Jordan River. And one of the reasons we know that is because of the word that is used in all the Gospels to describe what baptism is. The word is baptizo in the Greek. And it means to fully immerse, to get everything under, to totally cover over. It means to overwhelm, to overwhelm someone. And so John the Baptist is saying to his hearers, I am going to overwhelm you with water, but somebody's coming after me who is much greater than I am, and he is going to overwhelm you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit comes to overwhelm us, and to overwhelm us with many good things, many great things. But maybe the primary and the greatest one is this, to overwhelm us with the love of God. I've told you this story before, actually fairly recently, but many of you maybe haven't heard it before. But when I was a a young man, 11, 12 years age, my brother and I started to go to a Pentecostal church. We'd been to churches all our lives with good people who loved the Lord and had the Holy Spirit in them. You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Everyone who has given their life to Jesus, everyone who submitted their life to Jesus and has Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their lives, they have the Holy Spirit. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. But I went to this church that was a Pentecostal church, and for the first time, I heard them talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That people who had been touched by the Holy Spirit, even transformed by the Holy Spirit, could have an experience of God in the Holy Spirit that just felt like an overwhelming of the power of God over their lives. I'd never heard that before. And I wanted it. So as a young man, I went up to the front to ask them to pray for me. And as they prayed, as they were a Pentecostal church, they believed that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. Well, there's lots of gifts that can happen to you as you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and tongues is one of them. And so, as they were uh, encouraging me to get filled with the Holy Spirit, they encouraged me to speak out whatever was coming to my mouth. I came out with a couple of words, sounded all garbled, garbled to me, and it was just out of my head. It wasn't really coming out of my heart, and I was having no sort of emotional experience with it. It all seemed to be very dry, and I basically thought, well, that's not it. I'm looking for something different. And so I went through my teenage years and into my 20s. And any time there was an opportunity, people said, if you want to be prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I used to go up and be prayed for. But the same thing happened every time. All the way through my teen years and into my 20s. But then there was a moment... Halfway through my 20s, I was a sort of an assistant pastor in a local church. We were church planting in an area of the city of Gateshead near Newcastle. 
And I'd been preaching, I'd been leading worship, I'd been doing all sorts of different things, and the Holy Spirit had been working with me and through me by his grace. But there was a moment when I came home one day after one of those Sunday mornings, I walked into our front room, I sat down, I put a a CD on an LP, if you remember what an LP was. That's a long player for those of us who are playing long right now and can remember it. And on the LP was playing a song about the Holy Spirit. I was just sitting there. And suddenly the Holy Spirit broke into my life in a way that had never happened before. I just got overwhelmed with the love of God. Something just erupted out of me and over me and on me. And I started to weep and I cry. I couldn't believe that God loved me so much. I couldn't believe that God would love somebody like me. And love me and want to pour out his love upon me. And I, as I cried and as I laughed and as the song's playing in the background, I'm saying back to the Lord, thank you, thank you, Lord, I love you too. I, I love you. And, and that wasn't coming from me. That was coming from somewhere deep within. It's coming from somewhere else. And the words that I had said all those years ago as a little kid started to come out and flow out. Now like a river. And I began to realize that actually the Lord had touched me all those years ago. Powerfully touched me. But I didn't realize what was going on. And because I didn't realize, I'd stopped from fully entering into what he had for me. And as I sat there in that front room, all the cares, all the anxieties, all the stuff that had been building up in me in all sorts of different ways over uh, however long a period of time suddenly got washed away in the love and the power of God. We used to sing a, a chorus at the time. I don't know if you know it. He touched me. Oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. All right, you know this song, so we'll sing it. Sing it together. He touched me. Jesus ever touched you? He wants to touch you this morning because he loves you so much. And he wants to overwhelm you with his love. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through. Paul says in Romans 5 verse 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us 
First of all, the Holy Spirit comes to overwhelm us with the love of God. Second thing I want to say out of this passage is that the Holy Spirit comes to overtake us with the holiness of God. Let me explain that to you. John says that Jesus has come. He's mightier than I. I'm going to baptize you with water. So I'm going to wash you on the outside. But he is going to overwhelm you with the spirit of holiness. What does that mean? Well, we can think of holiness as being purity, being clean, being blameless, being perfect. And all of those things are true. But actually, the real root of the word holiness means this. It means to be set apart. It means to be separated. And separated for God. They made lots of pieces of furniture. They made lots of lamps. They made lots of bowls out in the desert. With all the gold and everything else they got from Egypt as the people of Israel went through the desert. But there were some of those pieces that were especially made and they went into the tabernacle. And they were prayed over and they were anointed and they were declared as being holy. That meant that they were set apart for one thing and for one thing alone. Which was to serve the God of heaven. They were made holy. That means that if you need some light at night and you wanted to get home, you couldn't just take the lamp that was inside the tabernacle and take it home because it's no longer a lamp just for finding your way home. It's no longer a lamp just for putting in your tent and making your tent come uh, a light, light up at nighttime. It's especially and totally just set apart for the use of being in the temple and to be before the Lord in the temple. That is what holiness And John says that Jesus is going to overwhelm you with the spirit of holiness. And then he explains it in two pictures. And the first is this. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, we know that fire can be very helpful. Fire can keep you warm on a cold night. Fire can boil water that is otherwise going to damage you and hurt you. And it can purify you so you can drink it. Fire can take metal that has got all sorts of things in it that don't make it strong. And it can melt away everything that's not strong so that the metal can be strong and become useful. Fire has a lot of very helpful, useful uh, things that it does. We also know that fire is dangerous. Fire can hurt you. Fire can wound you. Fire can destroy you. Well, we know from the Bible that the Holy Spirit doesn't come to destroy us. He doesn't come to wreck us. But he is fire. One of the things that you get used to is someone coming to Canada from being outside of Canada is forest fires. If we have a forest fire in England, it's big panic. There's not a lot of space to have a forest fire in England. You're likely to get burned by it. And then you discover, as I discovered earlier this week, that there's 39 forest fires happening right now in Manitoba. There's been 243 of them from the beginning of the year that have been reported. Those are just the reported ones. The reason that you and I don't know about it is because that human life is not in danger because of those fires. 
And if the human life is in danger, suddenly we get to hear about it. But fires are going on all the time. And that sounds like a destructive thing. But to people who oversee forests and vegetation, they say, no, no, no. This is just part of the natural course of life. Over a period of time, dead wood gets built up and and rotten wood gets built up. And if it's not dealt with, it's going to stop the springing up of new life. And so a fire that comes through burns away all the dead wood, clears away the ground, and it allows the ground to be ready for new life to pop up through it. And that's more of what John the Baptist is meaning when he says that the Holy Spirit will come to you in fire. He's going to burn. There's going to be things that happen in our lives. And the burning of what's happening is going to be burning up of old stuff that's not necessary anymore. Some of it may be bad stuff. But it's clearing the ground for a new life that's going to spring forth and spring up. And then he gives us a second picture that ties in with the first one. He says his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. What is a threshing floor? A threshing floor was a round piece of ground in the ancient world. Often it was stoned around the outside, so it had stones set up around the outside. It was hard, it was either rock or stone, or it was beaten down earth. And they would gather in all the wheat from the harvest. And then they would do a couple of things with it. Either they would throw it up into the air with a winnowing fork. Now, I've got a picture of that, if you can put that up for us, Melanie. And there's a winnowing fork throwing it up into the air. And as the wheat gets thrown up into the air, there's a separation as the wheat goes into the air between the kernels of wheat and the stalks. And when the stalks go up into the air and the kernel go up into the air, they separate the two things and they put the wheat over to one side and they put the stalks over to the other side. That's what happens when you do it with a winnowing fork. Or you can get hold of the wheat and you can beat it on the floor. And as you beat it on the floor, again, the kernels of wheat come off and it separates the kernels of wheat from the stalks. And they put the stalks on one side and the wheat on another. And of course, the wheat is used as fruit to be able to do all sorts of cooking and everything else. And the stalks that are separated are burned. Do you hear the word separation? He's going to baptize you with the spirit of holiness, with the spirit that separates us apart for God, that makes us now, even though we were in the world and off the world and doing things in the world, we are now separated by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, like those items that were in the temple, separated now for the exclusive use of serving a father in heaven. And his purpose is on the earth. That is what he's doing. And if you follow the picture, you realize that actually the stalks aren't necessarily bad. The stalks had a a useful life. They, They were things that came up that brought the fruit to bear on the top. But when the Holy Spirit comes in fire, there's a time when all the things, even if they were useful to get you to where they are, the Holy Spirit burns them up because it's time for new life to happen. And this just doesn't happen once in life. It happens on and on a going basis like forest fires throughout our lives. You might be in a time right now where you're feeling like you're in a fire. Or you're feeling like you're being thrown into the air or you're being beaten on the ground. 
You might think it's the devil that's doing it to you, and maybe he is. You might think it's some of your own sinfulness and your brokenness or the brokenness of others that have allowed it to happen to you, and that can be true too. But all of those things that happen in our lives, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, he can change them and transform them, so he uses them to burn up what is old, what is gone, what is evil, but also that which has had it past its sell-by date, burning it off so that new life can appear. Everything that happens in our lives can be harvested for righteousness. Everything. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us and moves on our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes to us, he's not come to do a makeover. He's not come just to spruce us all up. Put a nice suit and tie on us and get our hair done and some nice shoes. And we all look good on the outside. And we're all spruced up because we've had the Holy Spirit. That's not what the Holy Spirit comes to do. He hasn't come to do a makeover. The Holy Spirit has come to do a takeover. He's come to take over your life. He's come to transform it. He hasn't just come to restore you. To do some restoration. You know, get an old car and take the rust out and, you know, maybe solder in or weld in a piece of metal and and repaint it over the top and you make something look old. He hasn't come to do a restoration. The Holy Spirit has come to make you a new creation. Somebody new. And there's times in our lives when the Holy Spirit comes through. Maybe he comes through like fire. Maybe he comes through like a winnowing fork. Maybe he comes through like we're beaten on the ground. And if we will participate with him in it, if we will come back to him and humble ourselves, Lord, what are you doing with me in this? Lord, would you help me to get out of bitterness in my heart? Would you help me to get out of unforgiveness? Would you help me to get out all those things in my heart which can take what's happening in my life and turn it for something bad? Would you come by your fire? Would you come with your threshing fork? Would you come, Lord? God and beat this thing out of me so that Lord by the power of your Holy Spirit this experience turns into something that's everlastingly good not just for me but for my family and the people around me somebody mightier than I is coming the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie and he will baptize you he will overwhelm you with the spirit of holiness We are made for God. Not for me. Not for my life. For my satisfaction. For my identity. For my, what I'm going to get out of life. And, you know, what am I going to do with my gifts? And I mean, all of those things are important. But that's not primarily why I'm here. I was made by God. And I was made for God. And when I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it transforms my selfish nature. And I have to go on participating with God in that process. But he comes and he begins to transform my selfish, self-centered, all-about-me nature, which we can transfer right into the middle of the church. And make the church all about me and all about what I need to get out of life and how much the church needs to do for me and God needs to do for me and everything else. And he comes and he transforms all of that and says, no, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about his glory. It's about what he's going to do in your life and through your life. You are here for God. And maybe sometimes if you're like me and you're asking, Lord, why, why does it feel like I don't have a whole lot of life in the Holy Spirit going on? Well, one of the reasons sometimes is maybe with some of that selfish stuff can begin to creep back in again. Right? The more it becomes about us, the less it is about God. 
and what his Holy Spirit wants to do with us. First reason the Holy Spirit comes upon us is to overwhelm us with the love of God. The second reason is to overtake us with the holiness of God. And thirdly and finally, the Holy Spirit comes to overflow out of us with the life of God. Amen? Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do in and through our lives. Mary gave us a prophetic word last week. If you were here, you'll remember Mary sharing this. And she was talking about the woman at the well in John chapter 9. There was a woman at a well and she wanted water to drink. And Jesus said to her, if you ask me for water, I will give you water to drink. That if you drink it, you will never thirst again. Wow, she said. Give me some of that water. It's wonderful. But Jesus took that theology, that understanding of the Holy, because he was talking about the Holy Spirit being like water that comes and satisfies us. He took it even further in John chapter 7 when he stood up at the last and greatest day of the feast and he said, if anybody's thirsty, not just the woman at the well, but if anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And it will be in him or in her like as if you've got springs of living water that are flowing out from within you. What did he mean by that? Well, you know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's important to understand what we mean by how the Holy Spirit works in our life. Because we can have different sorts of understanding. So I'm going to use a bit of a a gardening metaphor for us this morning. This is a very fine watering can. It's got nothing in it, so you're quite safe. I thought about putting something in it. We can think that our lives with the Holy Spirit are a bit like a watering can. We get filled up, we go out, we get poured out, and we have this theology of being leaky. I'm not sure what we mean by that. I'm not sure how the Holy Spirit leaks. But anyway, we pour out the Holy Spirit in different ways uh, out of our lives as we give, we give, we give. The watering can gets more and more and more and more and more, more empty, down 1.5, one gal, one, until it's empty and we've got nothing more to give. And we think, oh, I'm empty. I've got nothing more to give. I have to go back and get filled again. So we go looking for the tap, and we put it under the tap. We fill it up. More of the Holy Spirit. Go out to get prayed for, whatever we need to happen. And we go out, and we go and pour out again. And it empties and empties and empties till it empties. And then we have to go back and get it filled up again. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking for more of the Holy Spirit. And coming back to God for more of the Holy Spirit. The early church got filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. They went out, preached the gospel. They got under persecution. They felt like they needed some more. So they prayed to the Lord. And as they were praying to the Lord, the place where they were in was shaken and the Holy Spirit came on them again. The Holy Spirit does that. It's very gracious. And the Lord is gracious to pour out his Holy Spirit on us. But this is not what Jesus meant when he talked about our day-to-day lives in the Holy Spirit. We are not like a watering can. We are more like a gardening hose. Because once you connect that pipe into the, ho- into the watering, uh, the water from the house or wherever you get your water from, and you switch it on, you have a 24-7, never-ending flow of water that is available for you to throw flow in you and through you and out of you. I'll come there, Gary. It's a great question. You're already there. You're already there. If you're born again of the Spirit of God, you're already there. Gary asked the question, how do we get there? Which is a great question. He kind of 
will come there back again. But we're already there because if we come to Jesus Christ and we ask him to transform us and we ask him to fill us with our Holy Spirit, he connects us to the water mains. He doesn't just fill up our watering can so that after a week we've run out. He connects us to the mains. There is a 24-7 amount of water that's available for us in the Holy Spirit whenever we want to access it. But if you're like me, my Holy Spirit hose has got one of those sprinkler guns on the end of it. And it looks for a lot of the time as if there's nothing in there. Until I press the trigger on the end of the hose and out comes the water. Like our friend in the picture here. He looks like he's having fun, doesn't he? Out comes the water. Because it was there all along. It just needed an outflow. It needed to be able to break out of where it was. See, when I was first prayed for to receive the Holy Spirit, I believe now that the words, because I still speak them now, I still speak in tongues, it's one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. I had those words all those years ago when I was first prayed for. But fear overcame me. Control, which is all backs up on fear, overcame me. I wanted to stay in control. Didn't feel right. I wanted some sort of big experience. These words didn't sound right to me. I was just making them up. And I didn't allow for an outflow. But when the Lord broke out of me so that I couldn't even contain him anymore, when I was in my lounge later on in my mid-twenties, out came an outflow. And I realized the Holy Spirit had been with me all along. All along. This is what Jesus said about how the Holy Spirit will come to us. Let me read this to you out of John. Further on in John's gospel. It's here somewhere. Sorry. He says in John 14, 17 to 18, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you when you need him. Is that what it says? Uh, Let me read it again. I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you just when you ask him. Come on, Dave. We're going to get there. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you. Always. What does always mean? Are you a watering can? I get to some point and I've run out of the Holy Spirit. Oh no, I need to go to another Pentecostal charismatic meeting to get prayed for. Because there's nothing left. It's, it's great to be prayed for. I, I get prayed for every chance I get. Because there's so much more of the Holy Spirit than ever we can take, right? But we are not watering cans. We're connected to the mains. Out of him who believes will flow rivers of living water. That's what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit is given to us not just for our own benefit. It's given to flow out of us, consecrated as vessels to God, flowing firstly back to God, because that's what happens. Thank you, Lord. Praise and adoration. That's how we began this morning in the prayer room. Ron got us to pray prayer of thanks. Because as we begin to pray prayers of thanks, there's an outflow happening. You know you can't be thankful in the flesh. Do you know what I mean by that? 
Your sinful nature is not thankful. You can't be thankful in your sinful nature. If you're going to start being thankful, you've got to get out of your sinful nature. You can't be thankful in the devil. Because the devil is certainly not thankful. He's miserable. And he likes to be miserable. And he likes to make your life and my life miserable. No, if we're going to be thankful and truly thankful, and we allow thankfulness to come out of our heart, it begins to release something that doesn't come from me, and it doesn't come from the devil. There's only one other source left, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. And as I'm thankful to God and I pray out my thanks or pray out in tongues or pray out in our native language, whatever it might be, pray Psalms out loud. Just allowing an outflow to happen to God first of all. Worship, you know, some of these, we're so rich in the worship music we have nowadays, aren't we? Just put something on and away you go. And as you flow outwards, you begin to go, this isn't me. In my own nature, in my old nature, I don't like worshiping God. I don't want to worship God. This is me transformed. This is the Holy Spirit at work in my life. And as I partner with him, the life of the Holy Spirit begins to flow. So the answer, Gary, is this. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have the Holy Spirit. Always. Always. And even when we feel dry, the Holy Spirit has not left us. Because he promised that he wouldn't. And maybe what it needs is an outflow. Maybe it's an act of kindness. Those of you who came and brought those meals out to the, out to the soccer camp this week. Those of you who were able to share with the kids and share something of Jesus. An outflow. Getting it out. Luke tells us right away how this happens. Look at the life of Jesus, which happened right after this. Jesus goes into the water of baptism. He comes up out of the water of baptism. The Holy Spirit comes on him. And a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son he was overwhelmed with the love of God but then what happens to him the Holy Spirit comes on him and the first thing he does is he takes him into the the wilderness he goes through the fire he goes through the threshing floor because the Holy Spirit led him through that not because Jesus had bad things to be burnt away but to prove how holy and how consecrated Jesus really was but it didn't stop there for Jesus He came out and the next thing he did, according to Luke, is he went down to Nazareth and he opened up the scroll and he read from the book of Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the spirit of the Lord always comes on us for a reason. And the reason is not just so that we can have the love of God and not just so that we can be purified. It's a reason outside of ourselves, beyond us. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the overflow of the life of God. After the overtaking of the holiness of God, the overwhelming of the love of God, an overflow of the life of God. So where are you this morning? Where are we at with the Lord? Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus at all. Maybe you don't know what it is to have the spirit of holiness. Such a wonderful companion. Such a wonderful friend. Always with us. Always available to help. Always available to give us direction. To lead us. To lead us towards Jesus. And into an, into an encounter with Jesus. And ongoing encounters with Jesus. In all sorts of areas of our lives. 
And if that's you this morning, we'd love to lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ because that's where it begins. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he will be with you forever. Maybe there are some of this morning who are thinking, you know, I know what it is to to be, be saved and walk with the Lord, but I've never had an experience when I've just been overwhelmed by the love and the power and the grace of God. I would love to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray for you this morning as well. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, Mary, if you wouldn't mind. We'd love to pray for you as well this morning. But when you pray for more of the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, don't just be thinking about some gush of Niagara Falls that's going to come down from heaven. Okay? Think about it differently. Think about it like I'm already plugged in. The water's already there because the Holy Spirit is within me. And I am going to begin to let an outflow happen. Whether it's giving thanks, praising the Lord, open up a Psalms and start speaking out the Psalms to the Lord, whatever it is. You allow the outflow to happen and allow the Holy Spirit to gush up from the inside. Because that's what Jesus has promised us. It's a skill we need to learn as Christians. And then we can tap into that whenever we need him and however we need him.